Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By right here on Transformation Talk Radio. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about soul searching and we're going to talk about what that means and uh, see what that what rings true for all of you out there. You know, soul searching is a really interesting term, and we're actually hoping to get uh, somebody to join in on the show to talk about it. But I was really struck by the conversation that I had with Dr. Susan Allison about soul searching, what it is and what it isn't, but how sometimes we get to show up in a bigger way. And I, I wanted to talk with, their, you know, everyone about that for the moment. And literally what I want to say is that today's show is a call-in show with me. And, you know, if, uh, if my guest uh, happens to show up for the show, we'll bring her on. But here's what I want to help everybody with. Are you thinking to yourself, I mean, this may be you, but I got to say, I'm not saying this is you guys because you are like super amazing listeners. No, this would not be you. But if you're thinking for a moment, I am stuck. I am stuck. Here's what I want to say. I look at the times in my life that I've been stuck, and I mean stuck. I don't even know that stuck is a word. But there was one point in time in my life I was literally so stuck I was frozen, like that movie Frozen. I was frozen. I was like the frozen queen. And here we go. What did that even look like for me? Well, I'll tell you what it looked like. I was somebody that... On the surface, if you saw me, like in 2001, just to say, you would think, my gosh, she is so well put together. She's got everything going for her. You know, there's no reason why anybody on the planet would think that Pat is stuck. But I got to tell you, I was. I had just finished school. I had gone back to school. And uh, and that's a story uh, that uh, I will share how that happened um, on another show. Going back to school was as a result, the short version, of getting fired from a job I had for 24 and a half years. And I've shared this before. You know, the reason that I had to be let go is because I didn't agree with the way the company was going to implement a downsizing program. And this is what Dr. Susan Allison talked about. Sometimes we have to face ourselves in truth. And that was one of my moments. You know, Gene Houston talks about these as tipping points. Uh, Other people, Carl Jung, talked about him as spiritual awakenings. As a matter of fact, he talks about them as God consciousness. And, you know, it was a moment that happened for me in 1990, and it it began in 1990, and literally began, uh, I, I began a journey, which I cannot even describe. But Dr. Susan Allison just talked about it. 
I had to face myself. I think there's actually a song that has that. Uh, oh, Changes by David Bowie. That's the song. He talks about how we have to face ourselves and, you know, come to come to some understanding about who we are in that moment of time in our lives. And I got to do that. I got to face myself in that moment of time in my life. And what I saw, I did not like. I didn't like the person that I had become. I didn't like that I was that person that looked at success in a way in, in my corporate career that didn't really have any soul to it. So my soul searching had to do with me facing myself and saying as an executive in the telephone company at the time, no, I am not firing that woman that has 29 years, 11 months of service, even though that is my job to implement this downsizing program. I'm not going to do it. And, you know, I have to think about it. People have asked me about that. I've told that story quite a bit. You know, I, I've written about it. I wrote, I've, I've got articles about it. And they asked me how I came to that. And, and the answer, I used to make up an answer about this. And I don't anymore. The answer is, I don't know. I just know it was a God shot. I know it was a spiritual moment. I know that at that moment in time, that very moment in time, that I was somehow touched by spirit in a way I had not been touched before. And the words that came out of my mouth were absolutely some spiritual, some God, some, whatever you want to call it, life force, energy, universe, just literally coming through me, looking my boss in the face saying, no, take my head count. But those words had wisdom to it beyond my comprehension. Those words had wisdom to it that led me on a course of action that brought me here to all of you today. Had those words not been spoken, not coming from me, not spirit through me in that moment, I would not be here talking with all of you. My life would not be this. I would not be Dr. Pat. I would not be the Dr. Pat you know. I barely think that I would have been Pat, period. Because my life at that moment in time changed. And as my boss is firing me, she is literally firing me. She's screaming at me. She's trying to yank my security badge away from me because I don't even know what I said after that. All I kept thinking about was, Pat, call Columbia. You put an application in Columbia two years ago that the company was going to pay for. Call them. You can call them. Get a hold of them. Find out if you could get there. And so here, I'm not soul searching anymore. My soul is directing me. And I did that. I walked out of my boss. Uh, she never did get my badge off my neck. Walked out from my boss. And I called them. And I realized when the woman said to me, you have literally, you have about 45 minutes to get from wherever you are to us so that your two-year application doesn't become invalid. I never even tried to argue with her about it. I didn't. I grabbed my stuff. I got in my very, very fast car at the time, uh, got on the highway, got from Livingston, New Jersey, into Manhattan, across the bridge with no traffic, pulled in front of Columbia University, which I didn't even know where it was, really, 
And all, no, this is before we have these map things in our cars, these GPS. I had a GPS. It was a God. It was a God GPS. That's what I had. You know, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. I was guided. I had my own personal guidance system pulled in front. And here's the story. There was actually a parking space. Unheard of. Got out of my car, ran upstairs, saw a line full of people waiting to get their books. And I got there five minutes to spare. Now, why is that even important to share? Because it was in that moment of standing in my truth. And that's what Dr. Susan Allison and I just talked about. My soul was searching for an opportunity for me to show up, to suit up and to show up. And there was the moment. There was the moment in time. And I've had moments like that since. But here's what happened. I did go to school. I did have that company pay for it, at least half of it. And I did get fired. And I was six months away from my own pension at the time. I didn't know it because it didn't matter. And what I'm sharing with all of you is every one of us has an opportunity for this. Every one of us has an opportunity to show up as pure divine wisdom and light. But what is it about ourselves that we have to at least be aware of about the question that we have in our mind? Are we asking the question, oh, why don't I have that? Why am I getting fired? Or like my very dear friend Glenna Rice would say, you know, what else is possible here? And then are we willing to listen? And, you know, for many of you, there is a story that continues. You know, how did I even get into a, do a doctoral program? Let me tell you, I don't come from an educated family. I'm a girl from the Bronx. I don't even, I didn't even know what a GRE and an SAT and an LSAT and a, I don't even under, I didn't even understand what any of that was. All I know is that that the dots that got connected from that moment on were so not my doing. Now I did have to show up. I did have to suit up and I did have to take action because you know what I'm telling you, faith without works is dead. And that is an expression. Where did I see it? I saw it in The Walking Dead, actually. And I found out later it's kind of a biblical term. But the point is this. It's not about just having faith. It's not about having blind faith. It's about being awake and aware enough, even for a nanosecond in time, a nanosecond in time, being awake and aware enough to get that level of information that's going to open up the door to your next best move. And, you know, the show that we just did was all about that. It was literally about standing in our truth from a place that is so indescribable sometimes. But, you know, when you're there, you know it. You feel it. You long for it. Your soul is searching for it. And in that moment of time, you get to stand there and be part of it. And no one can ever take that away from us. And now the journey that I went on, just to say here before we go to break, the journey when I went on was a series of those. I went on and I was encouraged to apply for these other educational programs. I applied to close to 30 universities and I was rejected by all of them. 
except one. And I was put on a waiting list for that one university. But in the meantime, I packed my stuff up. I sharpened the tools in my soul kit. And I moved myself from Jersey to Seattle because I flipped a coin and San Francisco lost. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Discover the eight things the elements of prosperity want you to know. Lynn Brown is hosting a life-transforming, soul-expanding evening on April 30th featuring guest speaker and radio host Dr. Pat Basili. Lynn was guided to make this a by-donation event for entrance, and all proceeds will be donated towards uplifting the homeless community. For more information and to get tickets, visit eventbrite.com. That's eventbrite.com and type Lynn Brown in the search. On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and Transformation Talk Radio. Chris Stanis is a spiritual leader and healer and teaches a course on how you can transform your life through a meditation and healing system that will manifest your spirit's dreams. She manifested the Women of Wisdom Conference, the Women of Wisdom book, and this radio show. And she can show you how to change your life too. Are you ready? Visit the website and contact her at VoicesOfWomenToday.com. That's VoicesOfWomenToday.com. There are so many resources out there for meditation. But did you know that Atana's Heart Earth Healing Meditation is available for you for free? Yes, that's right. You can receive this free healing meditation today from Atana Badili. All you need to do is visit his website, atanamethod.com. That's A-T-A-A-N-A method.com and sign up. You will receive your free meditation instantly. That's atanamethod.com. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Pat. Many of you have heard me talk about the Lyme disease epidemic going on right now in the world. I want to tell you about my friends at Results RNA. They have now created an entire Lyme support system for immune system support, detoxification, rejuvenation, and neurological healing. Please visit ResultsRNA.com to learn more. And for first-time orders, you'll receive a special 10% discount. All you have to do is type in Dr. Pat at checkout. Francine Vale is a being of light. She believes that all people of planet Earth are as well. As co-host of the Angel Healer radio show, Francine teaches you heart-centered ways to manifest healing on your own behalf and how to integrate love more fully into your daily life. Connect with your angels as you find your life flowing with ease and harmony. Walk the path of light with Francine and Dr. Pat Basili every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm Dr. Pat. Uh, uh, 
I love that. I just got a message from somebody. Yes, I do have a last name. My name is Dr. Pat Basile. <laughs> and don't be pinging me back like, oh, that's why you don't say your name. No, that is my last name. But you guys call me Dr. Pat. So I thought I'd just be Dr. Pat today. I'm here by my main man, Mr. Benny. Hello, my main man. Hello. How are you? And you actually are my main man. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. So all you other main men that think you were my main man, no. Get, get in line. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm at the top of that oh totem pole. God. You better work hard. <laughs> Benny, I got to tell you, honey, you are the longest, uh, you know. I have the longest the male longest relationship, man relationship you've had. I've ever had. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. It's intense. You're the longest female relationship. I'm just saying. I'm just like Benny. <laughs> Benny's still in. Benny is still in my in my love house right here. Yeah. But you know what? It doesn't come without our ups and downs. Here's what I want to say about this. There's a reason that we created crust busting, right, Benny? Remember the jackhammer? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, for those of you out there, it is true. You heard me say something the other day, and I just want to say it. Go ahead and go ahead and do this. If you Google. Uh, crust dash dash busting and Christina Aguilera, boom, we are in her bio. There's no question about it because we gave her an award. Uh, we gave her an award back in 2003 for what I thought was one of the most boldest moves in uh, music at the time. And Benny, you remember this? It was her um her album uh uh stripped mm-hmm. right. And the songs in themselves, it, you know, it wasn't because, wow, she was like doing all this weird stuff. No. If you read the lyrics of her song, and maybe you can uh, pull this one up, Benny. If you went, and she has won numerous awards, awards for the song Beautiful. If you saw the video on that song Beautiful, we don't get to hear it very much anymore. But if you saw that, you would get a sense of why this album touched me so much. Um, and then the song Fighter. I love that song because that was me. When I was five years old, I got a set of boxing gloves from my uncle. And do you know that I learned how to box at a very young age? I'm not saying like I'm not, you know, Leila Ali or nothing like that. But to this day, I have a pair of boxing gloves because what I've learned is that there is a way for me to express myself you know, and do that. The other thing I learned about that, I never really understood why my uncles did that. Uh, but they were like old, they were like real boxing gloves because my uncles, without going into the uncle story today, okay, my uncles were connected to the fights. And I guess, Penny, do we call them the fights anymore? Like boxing, the fights? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many different levels of fighting now with UFC. Right. Old and school like Muhammad that. Ali boxing. Yeah, right? those are just like, you know. Those are the days. Mm-hmm. Those were the, the days. matches, boxing matches. The matches, the boxes. So my uncles would do that. They would have like the ringside seats and the whole deal. And I got, I got a set of boxing gloves from some boxer that was boxing, mm. right? Cool. Now, I didn't know it at the time because I just thought this was the coolest thing in the world. And I had one of those blow-up dolls that you punch. What, what are those called? That you used to blow them up, and then you could punch them, and they wouldn't fall over. Oh, that's even before Benny's time. Oh, you mean oh those? The, no, actually, I had one what of those. What are those called? I don't know. Like just a. I know exactly what you're talking about. I forgot yeah. the name of them. Yeah, they were yeah. like little blow-up things, and they were weighted the at the bottom. Pa- yeah, mm-hmm. and you got to you got to knock them around. Like a punch-out dummy or something. Like punch-out dummy or something like yeah. that. So as a kid, I was never, I never really had any pent up anger. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's why I'm so optimistic and happy today because 
I never really had any pent up anger. I mean, and I got into the way of just kind of like in a very friendly way, just putting on my little boxing gloves, which were way too big for me. Super bop bags. Big. Yeah. I that's think they're called they, bop bags. Bop bags. Yeah, I and, found a couple online. They're actually still selling them. That's pretty cool. And I would ju- I just thought that was the <laughs> funnest thing in the world, that you can be like doing this bop bag thing, and that thing would pop right back up. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to say to everyone, no, I didn't go out on the streets and start to beat up people. But I will tell you that the boxing did come in handy. And I remember one day um, myself and my my sister and I were walking down the street in the Bronx and we were walking back from school because we took the bus and a bunch of other stuff. Right. But we were walking down the street. And the next thing I know, we were confronted by about, eh, I would say, close to 10 other. Let's just call them girls. Uh, Back in the day, you would call that a gang. (laughs) And I remember this like it was yesterday. And I didn't understand why we were being confronted by this group until later on. I found my sister. I found out my sister Joyce later was like involved with like a gang. And she was like the head of a Puerto Rican gang at the time. And uh, yeah, I don't even understand how that happened. But this was a different group. And the next thing I knew, I got my little viola because that's what I was doing, learning how to play the viola. And my sister, and all of a sudden, we're walking down the streets, and both of us are dodging some very sharp razor blades, right? And I remember, all of a sudden, everything I learned from hitting that little bag came to the forefront. (laughs) This is how spirit works sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It's like, why would a five- or six-year-old kid learn how to put on a pair of boxing gloves, you know, learn how to box from her uncles only for like a short period in time in my life because I didn't go on to do that. And I remember this situation like it was yesterday. And, and, oh, my sister literally, um, her, what she was wearing got sliced to shreds, but neither one of us was hurt because everything in my toolkit at the time, and I was just talking to somebody that says, we are all tools. We really are. But what tool are we going to become in what moment of time? Now, the tool that myself and my sister Joyce became on the street uh, in Throg's Neck at that moment in time is not the tool I I am today. But those boxing skills showed up in that moment along with my viola and my viola case. And we were able to do enough to hold off 15 girls without exaggeration until the neighbors came out. And I know to this day, that as, as I look back at that little example, that is crust busting at its best to be able to pull on the tools that you need. Now, me, here's what happened. My parents found out about my sister and her little involvement. And we ended up moving from the Bronx in the middle of high school for me to New Jersey. Now, was New Jersey any better? I don't know. I moved to Plainfield, New Jersey, but I will say this, that sometimes things show up in life for us that teach us some things we never think we're going to use, never think we're going to use a tool that we learn. But believe it or not, some of those tools can be used for good. For somebody like me, I learned that I learned the power of perseverance. I learned that from my mom uh, and I learned it in a way that it's hard for me to even describe. But I'm going to tell you this. When I was learning this from my mom, I didn't like it. I didn't like her uh, taking me and saying, listen, 
your father and I gave you the three of you girls these pogo sticks, and you need to take that pogo stick. So your two sisters are out there jumping on these pogo sticks, and you need to get out there and jump on the pogo stick. And so my answer was, I can't. I don't know how. I don't know how to do it. I keep falling off. And my mom said, you are not coming in the house until you are on that pogo stick in the middle of the streets in the Bronx, and you can jump on that thing for at least 10 times. And I'll tell you, I got defiant. I was like, I am not doing this. I threw the thing halfway down the street. Uh, and then I went to come in the house and my mom was like, no, you're not coming in the house. And I was like, you can't be serious. Now, this is me as a kid. And I sat on the I sat on the stoop, as we called it. And I contemplated because now I'm in a power struggle with my mom. And I got the pogo stick that one of the kids from the street brought back. And I looked at that thing and I don't know how it happened, but I thought to myself, I don't want to sit out here anymore. I'm hungry. I want to go back in the house. And off I went in the middle of the street, angry, crying, trying to make this happen. And I couldn't get it to work. Now, I'm a pretty coordinated kid. Remember, I'm the boxing chick. I'm pretty coordinated as a youngster. You know, I'm like eight or nine years old. I'm pretty coordinated. I was a great roller skater. I was just so for the fact that I could not do this pogo stick that my stepsister Doris could do and she is not coordinated, right? It was irking me and I got angry, more angry and angry. And the angrier I get, the less effective that I was. I was bruised. I was battered. I had scrapes all over my body from the from be, not being able to stay on this pogo stick. And all of a sudden, I had one of those moments I described to you earlier in the show. It was a moment of peace. I don't know how it came, and I didn't know at the time as a youngster where it came from. But now today, I know it was called surrender. It was a moment of surrender. And the next time I picked up that pogo stick, I picked it up really differently. You know, I picked it up without the venom that I had as a kid, you know, I, I wasn't there, you know, spewing language. And yes, I did learn that language at a very young age. I wasn't spewing that. My pogo stick now was kind of bashed up pretty good. Some of the stuff, you know, but it still worked. And I remember the moment, this was, I think the first moment that I can recall intuition in my body. And I got on that pogo stick. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was like this brass thing. And I got on that pogo stick and I started to hop all over the street with it, like as if I'd been doing it for a million years. And then that was it. I took my pogo stick. I walked up to the stoop. I walked through the, I knocked on the door and the door was there. It was open and I went in. And I, I never forgot that. I've had more moments like that with my mom than I can even imagine telling you. But it was, it, it was such a pivotal point for me when I look back at it in my life of what my mother taught me. And it was perseverance. And I was not a kid that was going to learn perseverance. I was a kid that learned early, early on how to give up, how not to really push through you know, how not to really stand tall for those things. And to imagine that a pogo stick could teach me that lesson that I never forgot. Wow. And 
my life went on to remember that. And so this idea of being rejected by all of those schools, my mom showed up in that moment. And what was the school that literally said to me, wait a minute, we're going to put you on a waiting list for a year. What was that school? How did that happen? Was that meant to be? You bet. When we come back, I'll talk a little bit about that. I'm taking your calls. 1-800-930-2819. Got anything to say? Want to know a little bit about perseverance and getting unstuck? Better known as crust busting? 1-800-930-2819. Give us a shout. We'll be right back. Siegel co-hosts one of today's most popular psychic shows, Angels and Answers, with Artie Hoffman as she communicates healing messages from the spirit world. These messages can be astounding, enlightening, and life-changing. Born with the God-given talent of inner guidance and the amazing ability to heal, Sky has healed thousands of people. Schedule a reading with Sky now. Call 908-500-1474 and visit skyofangels.com. Do you want to achieve your goals? Do you want to strengthen relationships with others? Do you want to improve your financial status? Colette Marie Steffen is partnering with Mark Kettenbach to bring you an energetic upgrade online experience launching in April. Unfold and develop your full potential. Visit energeticupgrade.com today for more information. That's energeticupgrade.com. Put a little in your life with Keys. Keys Clear Protein Waters have 22 grams of smile-making, attitude-adjusting protein in every bottle. Did I mention it's tongue-tingling taste? Not just another guilty pleasure. With Keys, you'll enjoy every low-sugar sip and freedom from gluten, lactose, and GMOs. Who needs the fountain of youth when you can find Keys on Amazon or at Keys, K-E-E-S, please.com. Put a little in your attitude with Keys Protein Water. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. Hey Owen, I just heard about this book on the Dr. Pat Show and these reviews on Amazon are amazing. Oh yeah? What's the book? It's called Conscious Being by T.J. Woodward. Oh, he's the Awakened Living radio host. Yeah. This book looks like just the guide we've been looking for to really connect and make those conscious changes in our everyday relationships and experiences. I love it. Can we get it on our Kindle apps? Of course. To learn more about Conscious Being and author T.J. Woodward, visit ConsciousBeingBook.com. Do you want the freedom to spend more time with your loved ones? Travel the world? Live spontaneously? Get ready, because the Chip Justice Show is here. Hosts Dr. Pat Basile and Chip Justice can help you build meaningful success while embracing life. Living a life you love is the end game in this new, inspirational, and empowering show. Positive changes for life 
you'll love. Tune in every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com and visit PositiveChangeInstitute.co for more information. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. And hi, I'm Dr. Pat. You listen to Dr. Pat show right here on Transformation Talk Radio. I'm here with my main man, Benny. Uh, thank you, Benny, for pulling that up. That is perfect, right? Totally perfect. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. She was such an, a powerful singer, still is. But for that oh. particular song, had so much more emotional attachment to it. I know. And, you know, it was something about the whole album, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of these things where it wasn't just one song on the album. You know, it was like I don't think there was a there was a song on the album that didn't hit the charts, like at least in the top 10 or 20. It was just that kind of album. It was that kind of conglomeration. Um, but, you know, she talked about that um, after she did it. And somebody said that she wanted to step out and produce her own album. And up to that point, she had been produced by one of the top producers, but she wanted to do something different. And out of the difference and her own truth, that's what came out of it. And isn't that interesting, you know, to have her have the courage to be able to do that? The other thing is she had a real disappointment in music. Do you remember when she was on Star Search and didn't win? Star Search? Is that what that the, Star that Search the one she was on? show? Remember that competition oh, show? Oh, with uh, Ed McMahon. Uh, yeah. Wasn't that that's who right. hosted it? Yeah. Okay. And she didn't win that. And she talked about that later on, how that crushed her. Right? Uh, but it didn't stop her. You know, it, it, you know, sometimes we get into life and there are things that happen and we do feel crushed. I have a lot of them. You know, I look at them a little differently now. I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser. But they do at the moment we're going through. They crush us. Um, I never thought in a million years that the company that I had worked for for almost 25 years would have that point of view about me. Uh, I didn't know that I've had this. I would have a point of view about them, you know, I, that I wouldn't continue to think highly of them. I didn't know that, you know, here I was, I would just finish this degree that I had gotten and I had applied for these other schools and I wouldn't get in them. I wouldn't get in them. Um, but this is how spirit works when we talk about this stuff, Right. You know, I had already had a ticket to continue on uh, for an education at Columbia. But here's what I did. This was so out of my wheelhouse to even know how to apply to schools that I sent it to the wrong department. I literally was accepted into a program in New York and I sent it to a wrong department. Now, this was the school, by the way, that I was already attending I could have walked it into the department, but I didn't. I mailed them all, and I mailed it to the wrong department. Now, here's what happens when you mail an application to a wrong department. Even though you're, you, you've written it and you've said, hey, you know, I'm writing you because I'd like to continue school with you, that department doesn't hand it to the desk next to them and say, oh, by the way, we got this application from somebody that really meant to give it to you guys. That is not the way that works. Because I asked the question, how come you just didn't give it to the department that sits across the way from you? But that's not what that was about. I wasn't meant to go to that program. I wasn't meant to go to that school. 
I wasn't meant to stay on the East Coast. And so what did I do with all these rejections? I packed myself up in the summer of 1992. And I, I came out to Seattle to, to stay with my friend Pat, who also at the time worked in the phone company. And I said, you know, man, let me come out there and stay with you. I didn't plan to stay here in the summer for six weeks. But I happened to come out here in 1992. Apparently, it was an El Nino, whatever it was. But there wasn't a drop of rain to be found that summer. Nowhere. And I extended my stay so much so I had my bicycle moved out here and I biked all the way. I biked everywhere. And what happened to me was I got to know Seattle. It was so different from anything I had experienced in my life. Now, I lived on the East Coast, but I also lived on the East Coast. And I lived in a place that, too, was surrounded by water. For many of you that are not familiar with New York, you know, New York, New York, New Jersey. Yeah, there is the Atlantic. Now I was in a place that, like Manhattan and like the boroughs, had these waterways, right? You know, there's the Brooklyn Bridge. There's the Thrognick Bridge. You know, of course, th- those of you know that you have to take a ferry sometimes to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan. But he- now here I go to Seattle and it's the same idea. It's the same idea. And I find myself in this place. And the next thing I know, after all of these letters, I decide, before I got that ultimate letter that said you'll be put on a waiting list, I pack myself up and I I say I'm moving to Seattle. I did. Sold my house, packed a U-Haul, flipped a coin. Seattle was my destination. So here, imagine this now. Uh, It's in December. And many of you would say, really, you're going to go across the pass in December on a big rider truck, gigantic, 16-wheeler, because I packed all of my stuff, including my motorcycle, and I've got my little sports car on the back end of that, and I'm going across the pass. No chains. I have never been, I, there's only one other time in my life I was that afraid. Now, I wasn't driving. My buddy John was driving. But I have never seen knuckles as white as his because I didn't know any better. I didn't know that this is like a pass. It was like a highway to me. I didn't know that we are at an elevation that I can't even imagine that you're supposed to have chains or some kind of stuff going on on your car. I had no idea whatsoever. But off we went. And believe it or not, I ended up in Seattle with, without a scratch. And so for me, it's kind of like interesting about how things work because I was meant to be here. Now, here's what I love about this. I moved here. I moved to Capitol Hill, got my dog here, couldn't find a job, got really stuck. And I spent the year having coffee on Capitol Hill. I also did some things really interesting. I volunteered for the Chicken Soup Brigade. I, I worked with homeless people. Um, I did some things that I can't even believe that I did when I moved here. And lo and behold, I get a letter from one of those schools. I didn't get it. Linda got it. I got a letter from one of those schools. And Linda calls me and says, Hey, I just got a letter from Claremont. 
And it's from some Cherry Grand Rose person that says that you didn't get in the school, but they put you on a waiting list. So all you got to do is send the letter back. And if you send the letter back, they're going to just put you on the list for next year. I'm in Seattle. I'm having coffee. I'm depressed. And I said, honestly, I don't care what you do. But, you know, sometimes spirit does things for us that we just cannot do for ourselves. And the next year, in 1994, I found myself packing myself up, putting most of it in storage. I had gone down to California, just happened to get an apartment with uh, two other women. One of them was a parole officer. Ended up getting an apartment, and off I went to school. I had no way to pay for it, didn't understand what student loans were, so I used my credit cards for the first year of school. That's not something you can plan in life. It's just not. And off I went on this journey. And this, this woman, this Cherry Grand Rose, by the way, so, so here's what I know about this. I write about this, uh, this particular story. Cherry Granrose was temporarily, Dr. Cherry Granrose was temporarily put in a position at Claremont to, to, to do the enrollment for students for 1993 and 1994. The dean had been moved out of the position. He wasn't there. She was filling in. Her too, as we were, there was about six of us, I think, that were all admitted into the program at that time that were a little bit older. We had been working. And because of her own journey of being a single mom, going back to school, there was a window for us to be accepted into that school that perhaps was not going to exist again. Now, Cherry was only in that position for two years, by the way. And off, off we went. Myself, my buddy, who was the chief of the fire department in Bakersfield, uh, another woman in the program that I was with that was uh, from Washington, D.C. There was about six of us, I believe now, I'm trying to think about it, out of a class of about eight or ten that were admitted into the program by no way whatsoever. If you looked at us on paper, it wouldn't have made any sense. But there we were. And off we went. Cherry Granrose became um, not only a dear friend, a colleague of mine, um, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have finished uh, the program. I probably wouldn't have, you know, gone on to study some of the things I studied. Um, and uh, I was encouraged, both at Columbia and in this program, to study that thing that pained me most. And this is why I'm sharing this story. I had no idea that, that the loss of that job and what I felt was going to become a way of life in the United States. See, this was before downsizing was fashionable. As a matter of fact, the phone company was the second company in the, in the country. Exxon was first. Second, second company in the country to do it on a massive scale. I didn't know that I would go on to study this thing that so pained me and pained countless people. Now, back in the day, when you got fired from a job like that, they didn't just fire you. Like today, on the day that you're going to be downsized, that's when you find out they escort you at the building. This was back in the day when you 
and 10,000 other people were going to get fired, but you're going to have to stay there for a good three months longer and train people. And so here I was, I started support groups while I was going to school, you know, and, and off I went to be able to just gather people together so that we could have a way to talk about this stuff. Now, if you are starting a support group and you're like a director like I was, that is not going to go over well with the executives. But I did go on to try to understand what was happening in the workplace. I didn't understand that it would become a way of life. They call that the repeal of the psychological contract. See, there's actually a theory about this. It's called the psychological contract. And it's an agreement that you have in organizations between yourself and the organization that if I do something for you, you're going to do something for me. But the department, the, you know, the secretary of labor at the time came out and said, we no longer have that. We now have the repeal of the psychological contract. So what he was saying was in a country where loyalty and commitment really did matter, you know, probably before Benny was even born, you know, before Jessica was born, there was this thing as commitment. Peter Drucker talked about it. He wrote about it. And I got to study with Peter Drucker. Who knew? But here we are today. And we don't even talk about commitment or loyalty in the workplace anymore. However, we're starting to talk about it now. And why are we starting to talk about it now? Because people in the workplace have choices today. For 10 years, they didn't have choices. They felt that they had to stay in a job because why? The economy. But now fast forward into where we are, where we were eight years ago, where we are today. Some people believe, believe is fundamentally different. You know, this is really a time where people are looking at their values. They're asking themselves certain questions. They're taking a look at the culture in their organizations and they're trying to figure out, you know, what is it about the culture that doesn't really suit me? And they're starting to realize that they're empowered to decide how they want to spend their career or their life and who they want to spend it with. And I went on. It's really interesting about that. Cherry Granros, Dr. Cherry Granros, not only became someone that was important to me, but became my mentor and helped me understand what it was I was studying. I don't know. Remember, I, I come from a family where I was the first in my immediate family to graduate high school, let alone even think about college. But here I was now with this amazing, brilliant woman. I've had many angels in my lifetime, many, countless angels in my lifetime. And here she was. And she went on to become my committee chair for the research that I did. I studied the consequences of broken promises for eight years. And if you didn't think that when I was finished in 2001 that I was depressed, there was a really good reason why I couldn't go back to my corporate job. A really good reason. I knew too much. And out of that angst, that agony, that depression, I went on to do additional research and talk about it and publish it about it. And then I buried my research because I was so crusted over from all of the above. I, I couldn't even attempt to get a corporate job. 
And that's how crust busting was born. It was the place in my life where I really couldn't figure out how to persevere. I was at a place where the only thing I could do was surrender. And I remember sitting there one day and saying, oh my gosh, I feel so heavy, so crusted over. Crust busting was born. And I put a, I put a little game plan together about what this meant. It was kind of fun. It was really fun to be able to talk about it. And that dialogue helped me raise myself up. And, you know, if you go to the website, crustbusting.com, you'll see that I, I came up with these eight principles. Not, no, I didn't come up with them. I got a lot of help. That content that you see on that site, that site was downloaded from Spirit. But it was my way to help me rise up. And so when I put on the back of that business card, that story that I share, I wrote that I wanted to reach a million people and help them live life full out. I really did dial a wrong phone number and didn't hang up. KKNW really did have a 10 o'clock spot that became open unexpectedly Monday through Friday. And the program director, Eric Crema, did call me. And within six months of, well, actually three months with that first wrong phone call, I pulled out a credit card and I bought five more hours a week of radio. And I discovered that my soul searching had stopped because the minute that I started to do this and got behind a mic and felt like I could contribute something in the world, it was like breathing for me. And I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, today you hear me really differently than it was 13 years ago. Benny will tell you. I mean, I didn't know how to go in and out of breaks. I didn't even know there were breaks. Well, we skipped a couple today. But I had no clue. I didn't know what an intro was. I didn't know how to really introduce a guest. I I, I actually didn't even know how to connect with you all as listeners. And you helped me. You taught me. You accepted me for all of my flaws. You know, you welcomed me and this message that pretty much wasn't really getting said on radio. But thanks to Rob and Brendan, Conscious Talk. Thanks to Patricia Raskin and her show. Oh, thanks to my buddy, Steve Maraboli. You know, we were out in the world having talk radio be something different. Thanks to uh, the, the people here, uh, uh, Eric Crema and his vision that there is a station that is committed to positive body, mind, spirit, talk. And, you know, not just in one language. You know, this station does it in multiple languages. It's become a forum for people to show up and shine. Now, that is not a, that's not something you can put in a business plan. It's just not. It is a spirit-guided plan that brings all of the right people to the right place at the right time for only one reason. And that reason is to say yes to a purpose much greater than ourselves. That's really what my life has become today. You know, I don't know what's going to happen next. I know that we've been given a vision to start a network that has 10 channels on it. I I know that I have an amazing team of people here. Jessica, Linda, Justin. The marketing team, Ava, Shelly, Nikki, Maureen, Valen, everybody out there doing this. Alex, 
right? Christina. I mean, people that are part of the team that you guys never hear from. But I want to say, Benny, Benny, here's what I want to say. People like Dr. Darvish, people like Mary Jane Mack, people like Leslie Fontaine, people like Dr. Susan Allison, people like Spirit Fire, many, many people that I'm not even mentioning today on the show. Christine Upchurch, she was just on the show. Colette Steffen. These are people that come here, you know, Artie, Angels and Answers. He's on later today. You're going to hear him. Fabulous show with Sky. These are the folks that I get to help do what these other people have done for me. And all of you, without you as listeners, without your, your level of acceptability for, you know, helping me get painstakingly through how to even put two sentences together, I still mispronounce my guest name. Benny will tell you that I did it the other day. And it doesn't really matter because when each of us gets called, to do something that we so not thought was in our wheelhouse to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. And all we have to do is say yes. So today, if you're here on this show and you've been sitting on your yes, do one thing today. One, just one. Do one thing today that moves you closer to a resounding epic yes because you're not going to be alone doing it. The right people are going to show up. The right money is going to show up. The right education is going to show up. The right partners are going to show up. And you may have to let go of a few people and a few things along the way, because I did. You may have to go through relationships that end after 14, 15 years like I did. But you will rekindle friendships like the one I have with my best friend, Linda, that I've had since 1973. And there is not a minute that goes by that I am not grateful for her. Open up your heart, clear the wax out of your ears, and let your soul remind you that the search is over. Thank you all for tuning us in. Benny, thank you for picking up that music. Thank you, Dr. Susan Allison, for being a shining light. And I want to thank all of you for doing what you do so well and that you are the best listeners on the planet. And I'm going to keep reminding you. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.